How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another edition of the Stupid Questions podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with Sean Conway, who is known for breaking multiple world records that include swimming, biking, and running together and separately, most notably recently for completing 105 Ironmans in 105 days. Yes, that is consecutive 105 Ironmans in 105 days. Absolutely insane. Um, today we talk a little bit about him, get to hear about his backstory. I don't even think I need to give much more of an introduction. Hopefully that is enough of a hook. So without further ado, please, uh, enjoy this conversation with Sean Conway. So the first question I'd love to start out with is from a third person perspective, who is Sean Conway? (laughs) Oh, depends who's asking, I guess. But right now I'm a dad, a husband, um, I get called an adventurer, and I don't really correct people, but I'm more an ultra-endurance athlete, I guess. Okay. Because in the world of adventure, you sort of got exploration on one side and sport on the other side, and I'm really at the the sport end of the adventure spectrum, I guess. So, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what I am. And also, I feel like the word adventurer sounds a bit wanky. Yeah. It's like saying you're a poet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know how to. I don't know how to. You know, if I say it feels like in the same thing. You're like I don't know. Like what? What does that mean? Yeah. Like yeah. What, what is it really? If, so if you had to pick yeah. one word, that's all you could use to def- like describe yourself. One word. What would that word be? Yeah, probably sportsman. Okay. Yeah, probably a yeah, sportsman. Nice. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? Grew up in on the banks of the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe, where I was yeah. born. And then I did. I moved to South Africa when I was quite young, <clears throat> and grew up in some big game reserves, big national parks yeah. in South Africa. So, yeah, it was quite a quite an adventurous upbringing. Sure. So, you know, all the times my old man gave me grief for not having a real job, I was like, "It's your fault." <laughs> yeah, you raised <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, you put elephants in my garden, drinking all the water out my paddling pool. Yeah. Like I was never gonna sit at a desk, was I? Yeah. Yeah, that's super fascinating. Like, so was that because of just your family wanted to live on the banks of the Zambezi or were they a military family or what's the story behind that? Yeah, no, just game parks. These are the big game parks. So my dad's a rhino and elephant um, conservationist. Okay, wow. Basically spent his whole 35 years in uh, formal, um, sorry, 45 years in formal rhino and elephant conservation yeah. Um, at a, in a at a government level, so not not as not in the private sector, so sure. not sort of for private private game parks, but for the national game parks. So, yeah, and you know, animals get poached a lot, unfortunately. So yeah. he had a pretty stressful career trying to make sure rhinos, rhinos especially, elephant elephants get poached, yeah, sure. but not as not as much sure. uh, yeah. anymore. Um, but yeah, rhinos get killed still. So yeah. Is it because of the yeah, largeness well, of the tusks? So rhino horns are more valuable than elephant tusks. So elephant tusk became pre- pretty much illegal worldwide. I can't remember when. I'm going to say the 70s, 80s. I've okay. probably got that completely wrong. But it, sure. um, yeah, it's illegal everywhere. Uh, and rhino horns are legal, but because it's it's a medicine, well, it's perceived to be a medicine. It's not a medicine. It's just biting your fingernails, same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's sort of somehow people take a risk to go for it. Wow. Um, and also, those big, long tusked elephants, 
they've all been poached out and mm-hmm. and you know so it, in the game reserve i grew up most of the elephants had really small tusks yeah. and it's just not worth it not worth shooting them really if you're a poacher yeah. whereas if you get a rhino with two big rhino horns that's big money yeah. You know, so that's that's why the rhinos got drilled. So I've and the elephants haven't done. I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that elephants have like almost started to genetically adapt to have shorter tusks over the past, due to like the poaching. They just don't grow out as long enough, and they're killed. And obviously, the ones have smaller ones mate. Do you know if that's true or false? Yeah, it's it's probably a little chicken and egg. It's probably to grow a big tusk. There was probably a gene a gene to have big tusks. Yeah. And if all those big tuskers died and got shot, they weren't reproducing anymore. So their gene didn't get passed on to the next generation. So all all the males and females with smaller tusks who survived, they're the ones that are breeding now. Yeah. So there is there's there could be some I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah. But certainly where I grew up, uh, we didn't have uh, there was a couple of big tuskers, but most of them had sort of you know one or two foot long tusks yeah. really interesting so um how about your mom what did she do or what did she do yeah so m- mum worked in the game reserve okay. as well you know mainly looked after you know myself and my sister so keeping us from harm's way and in, in the african bush you know there's spiders and snakes and scorpions everywhere so that was pretty stressful i guess yeah um so yeah so she she really brought us up i guess as as kids while dad was off on horseback you know yeah typical you know it's like from the movies like you jump on a horse yeah, I was gonna and say Indiana Jones coaching type. And it's, yeah, yeah exactly so um yeah mum mum took care of us at home basically and and then also she would work within the game reserve as well so she would do admin jobs in in the office and sort of became dad's secretary a little bit once we were sort of at school yeah yeah so yeah she she worked in, in conservation too uh, enough cannot be said about a good mom and the importance of them and my mom was for most of our upbringing a, a single mom and i watched her do many a great thing so i have a lot of respect for her and other moms alike who not only live a life of you know career but also like bringing up kids that's a big thing yeah, absolutely. Especially in, in Africa when everything's trying to kill your children. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite, quite tough. So tell me a little bit about your sister. Do you guys share a lot of common traits in adventureness or um, in sportsmanness? Yeah, my sister's adventurous, but n- not sporting. I mean, she's run a marathon. Uh, she did the London Marathon a while back. Um, but no, there's there's sort of no sport in my family. My granny was good at athletics mm-hmm. and kind of went to the Olympic trials, okay. I believe, back in the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, adventurous in spirit, my sister. But but no, sort of, and and, and we'll do exercise, but nothing at a at a sort of any anywhere near serious sure. competitive level, I guess. Okay, for sure. Yeah. So going and staying around your childhood for her for a few minutes, because I'm curious, like how it shaped you. But I'm wondering specifically, do you have any memories that have served you over the years as just like sort of a foundation, maybe for gratitude or just the way that you view life? Because growing up in that environment, I imagine had its impacts and formulation of who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I keep thinking back on is whenever, you know, I grew up in, in, in a third world where there was a lot of poverty mm-hmm. and a lot of people on the bread line and, you know, you couldn't help but be s- surrounded by it. And, and, and I definitely noticed it. I wasn't sort of naive to the fact that just down the road, there were hundreds of people 
you know, not starving, but, you know, you'd see the kids on the side of the road, they'd have a hook on a piece of wire, on a piece of string, sorry. And when the grain trucks would drive past, they would throw this hook and try and tear a hole in one of the sacks of grain uh, of corn Mm. on the truck. And then they would run down the road and pick up each individual corn kernel. Um, And then if they did that all day, they'd have enough for dinner, you know. So it's definitely given me a a reality check on life, you know, because sometimes I can take this thing that I'm doing a bit seriously and I think I'm doing very important things in the world you know, trying to inspire people and all that. But then actually, I really need to sort of rain check my ego and go, you know what, mate, you're a, you're a white middle class bloke who speaks English. You were born yeah. into the top 1% of the luckiest people in the world. Mm. You know, so don't don't get a bit above yourself, you know, and try and try and give back. So, you know, that's really having that African upbringing. Yeah definitely made me appreciate how lucky I am really and how fortunate I am that I was born into a position of privilege you know purely based on my skin color Mm. and the fact I can speak English as my first language you know just even those two things alone made me um, have an easier life really so yeah I, I definitely don't take that for granted anymore and I do my best to try and hopefully inspire other people from all walks of life so um yeah, so there was that, and then also just the, the, just the amazing African childhood I had, which even, even in Africa it was quite rare, you know. So when I went to school for the first time, mm-hmm. even my African school kids friends were like, "Whoa, Sean, you live in the bush and you've got this incredible like outdoorsy yeah. game reserve life." So I was quite aware from an early age that <clears throat> I w- was living a quite a unique life that not many people got to live yeah and i guess that's also definitely extended into my adult life where i really do have this desire to live a unique and interesting life the Mm. idea of doing something normal in inverted commas really kind of uh, kind of gives me panic attacks sort of so yeah it's um that that's yeah the other thing that's really in put a stamp on me i guess is this desire to be unique and different yeah so you said um a little bit ago maybe just a few seconds ago that you no longer take that for granted just the the opportunities that you've kind of been given born with and then some of them obviously i think created by the lifestyle that you live do you remember a point in time where your mind shit your mind started to like i did not mean to say that <laughs> your mindset that's, that's what's going on in my mo- mind most of the time it's just mush and... oh, i didn't think i was gonna have to mark this episode explicit because of myself but anyway do you have a specific um like a moment when you kind of start to realize your mind start to shift into a place of like that gratitude no, I think I've always I've always been quite aware of my situation to the point of its detriment, I think. I think if anything, I would get this this real like overwhelming guilt, you know, and I'm like, well why why bother cycling around the world, Sean? Like, yeah. come on, dude, like there's a million people starving in the world. Really? what's the point in you doing this? Like, really, it's just this, like, middle-class white man's thing. Yeah. And, um, 
so you know there were there were times where I sort of thought, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it because it's a slap in the face to people who can't. Mm. But then you know, you can't you can't dim your light to make someone else's light seem brighter, because if we all did that, the world would be in darkness. Mm. So you know, yeah, we I didn't I, I didn't come up with that by the way. <laughs> someone else more intelligent than me came up with that phrase, but I quite liked it. Sure. But it's true, you know, like you you need to still make make the most of the, the situation you're in and i happen to have lived in a in a you know i've been born lucky and i'm able and i'm physically able mentally able um yes you know i my family don't have money so there was there's those hurdles i've still had to 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 jump through to do a lot of the things i've done because the harder they get the more expensive they get so the more sponsorship you need to raise um so it's not like i was you know, born into this really wealthy family and I could just go off and do whatever I wanted. I still had, you know, we, we still come from a very humble family. My dad's a game ranger. We just lived in the bush. He got given, you know, given a house to live in. So yeah. because of that, the salaries were low because they knew you didn't need much type thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I still had to graft. I still graft now to try and get things off the ground. But I'm also still very aware that, you know, I'm very privileged in what I do and what I'm able to do, but I also have a responsibility to not squander mm. it. You know, it would be s- stupid if I then didn't make take advantage of of my my skill and my ability as an athlete, mm-hmm. um, which I only discovered when I was thirty. <laughs> so how old are you I've now? Got some, I had some catch. catch I'm forty two, okay. so it's been twelve years now um, that I'm trying to make up for lost yeah. time, really for terrible decisions in my 20s i guess <laughs> so i'm curious um so it, it, just from reading about you it sounds like 2012 was like kind of your first big adventure thing that we'll talk about what was it like going from you know you're growing up in africa and then south africa you get to let's say grade school high school and college tell me about that progression of sean because you said like in the 20s you were kind of messing around what was that progression like to eventually you were like oh maybe i'll start doing these types of things So I call it my old life now. My old life was a photographer and I started photography when I was about 12. And I started actually making like not a living from it, but I started making money from photography when I was about 15. I used to uh, go and take photos at school sports days and then I'd get the photos printed out and then I'd hustle around the... uh, the lunch hall and try and sell the pictures for like 50p yeah. and um this is in south africa so it was five rand which is even less now it's like 25 pence or something yeah. so um yeah so i was sort of hustling it and i loved photography man it was just like i just got captivated by being a photographer quite early on mm. in life as i said when i was about 12 and then really when i was like 15 16 i really knew that that's all i wanted to do in life so <clears throat> i um i did that I uh, went to photography college, aced that, um, got asked to be a lecturer for a year after college, which I did because actually that paid off the year of teaching. So it was okay. quite nice. I actually, had t- and almost I got another year of studying because when you teach, you learn just as much. Yeah. So um, uh, that was quite quite a good deal I got there. And then and then I moved to London. And then I, in, when I was 20, I moved to London because London's the middle of the map. If you want to go traveling, that's you can go anywhere from the middle of the map, right? Yeah. 
and uh, and you're earning pounds. You know, the South African rand didn't doesn't get you very out. far. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then yeah, I thought right. Well, let me go to London. That'll be the place where I can further this desire to be this incredible National Geographic photographer. Mm. But unfortunately, I just kind of lost my way a little bit and lost the dream and lost the lost the kind of the drive to follow the dream and other dreams replaced it mm. and they were just bad dreams and they were mostly financially motivated so I was choosing jobs that paid well but weren't necessarily that creative or weren't necessarily on the path which would lead me to be this amazing National Geographic photographer yeah. and yeah I did that I just it's amazing how quickly 10 years goes 20 to 30 was like boom yeah. Same. And all of a sudden I was 30. I was like, how the hell did that happen? Mm. And I wasn't I wasn't where I wanted to be in my photography life. I hated I actually had fallen out of love with photography by this point. So that's when I decided to to sort of just go cold turkey on the photography with this sort of weird notion of wanting to go traveling, but didn't have any money to go traveling. So I I thought, what if there's some sort of world record that has an element of travel to it? Mm. <clears throat> maybe i'll get some sponsorship and yeah so that was it so 2012 as you said yeah. was my my attempt at the round the world cycling record which really i had no business attempting yeah <laughs> absolutely none like i had zero experience i didn't actually even own a good bike i had cycled the length of britain but super slowly i was doing like 30 mile a day or something okay. so there was zero athletic ability required or yeah. Or no, they, I had athletic ability because obviously I, I can do these things now, but I had no proof or experience. Yeah. Um, but I just had a, a dream and a passion and a drive to just have a crack, basically have a crack at it. Um, and you know, someone else also said, "It's what it's be." Be naive enough to start and stubborn enough to finish. I think uh, I tick yeah. those boxes definitely. That's entrepreneurship, athletics, <laughs> so many things in yeah, life. Exactly. That's how people get yeah. somewhere. So you started this adventure yeah. and then I read you were like it kind of ended partway through because you were hit by a car. Yeah, in Arkansas in America. I was um yeah, I was ahead of the current world record and then just someone, you know, it was early in the morning. I have no ill feelings to the chap who, who ran sure. me over. It was dark. It was raining. I was cycling on a road you would never cycle on. Yeah. But how am I to know? You know, I'm just following a, a line on a map, yeah. really. And he had never seen a cyclist in his life on that road at that time of day because he was a baker. He'd get up early and, and get to the bakery early. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was just one of those unlucky things, really. I think, you know, had I been... Had I got out of bed a minute earlier or a minute later, maybe I wouldn't have been run yeah. over. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was hard because, you know, I was the world record was taken away from me, really, on that one. Yeah. Through no fault of my own. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was quite difficult to deal with in my head because it wasn't my fault. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, there was no rhyme or reason. I was like, why? Why me? You know? Yeah. But I carried on anyway because I was raising money for charity and. And it was tough to carry on because the fight was hit. gone, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and there was that. There was the injury and all that. But um, but mainly the fight was gone. And the fight is the thing that excited me the most. You know, yeah. I really enjoyed 
the chase and then you know there was a new chase i was trying to get back to london in time for the olympics so that was pretty cool but it still wasn't the same so even though i finished that around the world bike ride i sort of was a bit depressed because i was like you know I, i never once looked back and enjoy and could say oh well that was that was an amazing experience because because I got run over and couldn't get the record that overshadowed everything else, which is a shame really, because not many people get the chance to cycle around the world twice. So I sort of messed it up because probably what I should have done is gone, right, well, you can't get the record now, Sean. Why don't you just have the adventure of a lifetime? You know, but I was still so adamant. I was trying to push it hard, even for the next 12,000 miles. Mm. I still got up every day. I didn't have a rest day. I still cycled 130, 140 miles a day wow. all the way back until I got back to London, you know, which I didn't really have to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, you know, I didn't have to, but I sort of did have to in my head yeah. because I just was still adamant to try and push it hard and, and chase something, yeah. even though the record was off. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I want to go back because I probably should ask this question first, but when you first decide, like, oh, I'm going to do something like bike across the world, you said you didn't, you're too naive to start it. And then I assume as you got into it with any project, you realize there are a lot of logistical things that have to happen. So what was it like trying to put together everything to like, okay, now we have a date and this is going to be executed from here forward. What's that prep work? Yeah, well, you know, first first up is getting the funding. So that was priority number one because I had zero money. So there's no way I could even have started. So I managed to get sponsorship. So that was, and I got sponsorship quite early on. So I got sponsored probably about six months before the start in February, 2012. And that was a huge weight off my shoulder because, you know, it means I could then just train hard and go for it. Then there was, you know, I just got super excited about all the logistics side of things. So, that, you know, finding the bike, researching the best bike. I went for a steel frame bike with a roll-off hub, which is bulletproof. Um, then finding a route, you know, so hours and hours spent on on Google Street View, which, you know, in third world countries wasn't as good as it is now. Yeah. So South America, I had some satellite views and a couple of people, you know, they had the where people upload photos. But that wasn't very reliable as it turned out. Um and then coming up with the exact distance, you need to be as close to 18,000 miles as possible because anything over 18,000 doesn't count. So, you know, you um, may, if there's two people that are head to head, you know, someone might get back on 18,050 miles yeah. um, and someone might do 18,200 miles. Okay. So, you know, there could be someone who sort of is ahead of you but has messed up their route so and they land up overshooting the route. Oh, so, you know, so there's a lot of that logistics. So you sort of painstakingly doing a course that arrives back at the loca- at, at your exact start end point, bang on 18,000 miles or 18,020, yeah. which again, that's quite hard to do. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of those logistics and then flights and the rule at the time was you could stop the clock for flights, so there wasn't that much of a stress for flights. They've changed that rule, thankfully. I think it was a it was a crap rule because yeah. <laughs> um, people could really take advantage of of saying and and not that anyone did. Most people were pretty kept to the the ethos of of the race. Yeah, but you could legitimately have a two week break 
at an airport and just say, oh, there's no flights. Interesting. So, and, and, yeah. Who, who's the governing so, body of these world record, like, endurance? Well, races? Guinness, yeah, Guinness, Guinness seem to be, well, for around the world, it's Guinness, yeah. Okay. It is. FKT yeah. are starting to, to take ownership for some records, and I love it. I think they're doing a better job of it, um, but they're only doing fastest because that's that's what the F, F is, F, you know, fastest yeah, known time. Yeah. So they're not doing firsts or longests or mosts of, which are the three other categories. So there's four categories for world records. Firsts, longests, fastest, and mosts. And um, yeah, FKT have done a pretty good job on the fastest. Yeah. It'd be nice if, if a body like them took over other world records because, yeah, I think they, they do, they're just doing a really good job. Yeah, in just the way that they like the rules and the documentation and everything like that is just like more updated for the times you think yeah and also they it's all they do is the records yeah. whereas guinness so for you know when i tried to get the a record before i started swimming the length of britain mm -hmm. guinness just didn't even consider it i just got an email saying oh sorry we don't we're not cons we do not consider swimming the length of britain a valid world record attempt sorry bye wow. But then they they gave me a full long PDF on the record for to peel and eat three lemons yeah. <laughs> and the rules and the regulations and all that. So, <laughs> oh, good grief. yeah, yeah, and and you know if it doesn't sell the book, it seems maybe that they're not interested. But I could be wrong yeah. there. But you know they did a couple of, you know they've given a few people some records back in the back in the day. Where which everyone now looks at and goes, there's no way that person did that record, but they, you know, they won't rescind the record, which is a shame because they're so unrealistic. No one will ever break them. Yeah. Um. So, and there's a couple of famous ones in the UK, a couple of famous running records that have been held since like the 80s, and people are nowhere near those times now, and everyone's like, there's no way this guy did it. So yeah. So I think it'd be nice if if someone like FKT also did the other the other three types of records yeah for sure um, interesting it's, it's on my to-do list in life one day is create a body an organization that. that verifies records um and and i'd love to do it where you get medals and there's a whole point system and you know i, I have thought about it a little bit but it would take it would be a full-time thing and i'd have to work out whether it's viable really from a time point of view yeah for sure do you think like after you've done something enough or you're just like your body's done and you're like okay now maybe i'll go do this thing yeah yeah maybe yeah maybe yeah it's definitely sort of a back burner thing um sure. my focus at the moment is, is youth sport so anything i do outside of the records and the training is is just trying to get kids into sport so that's taking a lot of my focus and i'm really enjoying that side of things yeah. so um yeah may maybe some governing body for records is, is also in the pipeline who knows yeah for sure <laughs> well i do want to ask about the the swimming record here in a second but i'm curious through all of these things that you've done just because we've touched a little bit on the family dynamics how has this affected it, through the ups and downs as verb or as um vulnerable as you want to be like your marriage and like with your kids and i'm sure there's dynamics there that you have to really work at like okay i need to make this happen but here's the way i need to do it yeah, well, I mean, thanks to COVID, I've actually, I, yeah. I've only done one thing. I've only done one thing as a dad and a husband, which is the 105 Ironman distance triathlons. Yeah. So, yeah, they, um, so that was a shock to the system because for four years, like everyone else, I was just sat at home yeah. on my ass, what, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> you know, pretending, 
pretending to be Hemingway. Um, <laughs> so I think they got quite used to that. And then all of a sudden I was like, right, off to do 105 for Lions at the minute. Um, see you in three and a half months. So that was pretty tough. But, you know, my wife's, I won the wife lottery. She's amazing. She she knows the deal. You know, she, she I was doing this when we met. So she knows what I do. Um, the kids, they're a bit young to understand. I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Okay. So they're a little bit too young to really care yeah. or anything. So, yeah. which is kind of nice. It, it kind of brings me back to earth a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm hoping one day they'll think dad's cool get excited about yeah. the things i've done yeah. yeah i hope so but i've been told that no kids <laughs> no teenagers think their dads are cool so i'm wasting my time yeah <laughs> um, star probably, yeah. so yeah so yeah exactly so no it's um it is tough though like you know the running joke now is i did 105 iron mans and now i'm doing 105 days of ironing yeah so <laughs> it's payback time you know yeah but um it's uh i mean luckily for the most part yeah I go away and do these these things that are weeks or months long. And then I like to think that actually the rest of the time I'm making up for it because I am I work from home. It's not it's not like I leave yeah. every day and yeah. go to an office somewhere else. I'm at home most of the time and I'm pretty flexible. Yeah. I can take the kids to swimming lessons at two o'clock on a Tuesday and and that sort of thing. So I'm hoping there's a I think there's a good balance. Yeah, sure. I think although I think if you ask Caroline, this probably <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna probably, actually ask, do you think that she'd she, come on the podcast? Because yeah. I'd love to get her perspective of all these things. The problem is she's too nice. Yeah. She'll just say it's all amazing. <laughs> you know, because she's so she's so amazing and she's such a trooper and she just like cracks on and doesn't complain. Yeah. Um yeah, she, that that's I know that's what she'd yeah, say. Yeah, for sure. How long have you been married? <laughs> Oh, don't ask me that. Five, <laughs> four, five, five. 2018. What's that? 2018. Yeah, yeah about five years. Going on, yeah, going on six years, I guess. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. Is tw- yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were like married, and all right, year later, let's have some kids. Yeah, yeah. Straight away, man. I'm oh, I'm 42, man. I needed to like. <laughs> it was great. I I scratched a lot of itches in life before having kids, so now there's no regrets. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Um, so. Let's. I guess I wanted to ask about the 105 Ironman, but let, we'll come to that. The swimming the length of Britain. How did that one come about? And tell me a little bit of the logistics and just some of the memories that come through on your mind of like, because I'm sure that was a wild experience. Yeah. So the anniversary for that, the 10 year anniversary for finishing that, is next week. So oh, that's wow. that's. I can't believe it. it's been 10 years now. Um, I was looking, so after I cycled around the world, I tried to get back into employment because I had no money. I was skint. I moved back in with my mum. I signed on to the job seekers on the dole, trying to get work, but I just couldn't. Like, I have no A-levels. I didn't go to university, so I just just didn't even get any interviews for jobs. Mm. And I was applying for jobs with, like, cycling charities and a couple of of photography jobs, but nothing super serious because I didn't want to do photography anymore. But, um... Yeah, so there was a sort of, yeah, after about six months, I suddenly realized I'm going to have to maybe do another record or at least try because last time I got some sponsorship and it got me out the house for six months. Let's try something else. So that's when I thought of swimming the length of Britain, thinking it had been done before. I just thought I could maybe be the fastest. And then it turns out that no one had even attempted it. No one had even got, you know, gone to the start line. And I was like, well, I thought that was quite strange because there's nothing bigger swims have been done for one yeah you know someone swam the amazon 
Wow. Um, the Mississippi, the Yangtze, which is the same guy. And then a guy sort of swam the Atlantic, the French, this French guy. Um, but sort of couldn't quite verify it, but still he swam a lot. Uh, yeah. So bigger swims have been done. So, uh, and, and Land's End to John O'Groats, the length of Britain is such a famous route. Uh, you know, people have been doing it for 200 years in various forms. Yeah. So the fact that no one had sort of done a swim was sort of baffling because nothing suggested it was impossible. Mm -hmm. It was just going to be miserable and long and tired and all those things, which is, it exactly was. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, just the overwhelming feeling of that was just being freezing. Like there's just something about being cold that just saps all your energy, no matter how fit you are or yeah. how mentally strong yeah. you are when you're cold, man, phew, just there's nothing you can do. And I was just cold for months. And um, that and getting stung in the face by jellyfish. Ugh. Those are sort of the two, the two overriding, overwhelming memories of, yeah. of that experience. Um, yeah, that was tough. That was I heard, tough. I actually read yeah. that's why you grew out your beard is to get rid of the jellyfish. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after like a couple of weeks, I realized when I got stung in the face, I wasn't feeling the sting as much on my chin. And I just, I, well, I realized that actually the, the, the beard was physically stopping the tentacles touching my yeah. skin. So I just thought, oh, well, that's it. I'm just going to grow a massive jellyfish beard. <laughs> and um, yeah, I would still get stung on the nose and the cheeks and my hands. And then, you know, the worst part is I'd get stung on the hand and then my hands would go numb um, from the cold water. Yeah. And then I'd get out the water and forget. And then I'd go to the toilet and then obviously touch something which would then start stinging and then or rub my eye you know? uh, so there was yeah a lot of that, a lot of that going on which was not much fun yeah not at all but um yeah it was but like w once you once i knew it was going to happen every day i just sort of wanted it to happen straight away i was like because the second sting didn't wasn't double the pain yeah you know it's like once you've been stung yeah. once it's that's the pain you can get stung four or five times and unless it it's on a different part of your face, but because it was only my cheeks and Quite cheeks and nose and hands, really, yeah. it was, yeah, just, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> but every now and then I'd get to like, you know, my, my sessions were four and a half hours. I'd get to like four hours and 25 minutes. I'd be five more minutes in the water and I'd get stung, man. I'm like, no, <laughs> like so close, man. Uh, and then they were the worst because then I had the sting out the water yeah. which was worse because once her face was in the water like it was so cold yeah it numbed it a bit but then getting stung and then getting out the water i was like oh no now i've got six hours of pain and then as soon as i get in the water it'll be better six hours later so yeah, yeah i agree was, was there any was, ever like crap. health concerns for getting stung too many times because actually i'm pretty sure they inject like a little bit of like venom or something into you when it touches you all oh, right. right okay um I did not think about that okay. at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just tried. I, Probably best not to think. About I it. think the most I ever got stung in a session was maybe only like three times <clears throat> because I got quite good at looking ahead yeah. and I would see them a meter away okay. and then I would just sort of do a pivot and then, you know, push it out the way from my hand. I could almost get stung all day on the hand because it, you know, I, you got Reverse tougher skin. skin on your hand and I'd sort of just push it out the way. Um, it was the night sessions that were harder because they they often came up to the surface at night and then I would sort of headbutt them. 
So, but no, it, yeah, truthfully, I've, I've, no one's ever asked me that before and I've never never even thought about it. So oh, I guess I would have known soon enough had it been bad, I think. Uh, yeah, your face swells up, yeah. you can't breathe. Oh, I guess I'm done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, again, just super naive. Yeah. It's like just cracked on. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely, I didn't even think about that even at the time. I was like, whatever, just wasn't just I needed. I knew what I needed to do. And, you know, there's no point in asking questions where you don't want to hear the answer. Yeah, right? So sure. you just cracked yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. So what was your what was the regiment? Because you said day and night, you said four and a half hours on then how long off and you did this continuously for however long. Yeah, so there's two tides a day. I couldn't you can't swim against tide because you go backwards. The tide runs for six hours, roughly, but of that, there's only four and a half hours to five hours of good tide. And when it, at the end of the tide, with slack water, it's choppy and bouncy, and you just it's diminishing returns on putting the hours in. So call it four and a half hours on, but seven hours off, and then those those tides would move about an hour a day. So, for example, day one, I was getting at six a.m., swim till ten thirty, and then get in sort of at six p.m. and swim till about. 10 30 at night and then the following day it'd be 7 a.m and 7 p.m and then 8 a.m and 8 p.m 9 a.m 9 p.m roughly that's kind of ballpark yeah. but yeah they would shift so sometimes i was getting in at two in the morning so two in the afternoon and then two in the morning to get my two tides yeah. and um but i couldn't always do two tides like the boat i had was so small sometimes our anchorage was so far away i just couldn't get back in time yeah and then in scotland we started only, I think for the last month, we just made a call to only do one tide a day and make the most of it. So then I was swimming more. I was doing sort of the five, six hours okay. and doing just the one tide because it was just getting getting tiring. You know, we would spend two and a half hours trying to get to an anchorage because you can't just float around in the ocean. You know, going up the coast, you know, I would, if I stayed in one spot, when I finished swimming, the reverse tide would push me potentially five miles, six miles back. Oh my word. So, and then the boat was so small, it couldn't fight the tide. So often we'd have to sort of oh, swim yeah. somewhere and then go to shore, find an anchorage, drop anchor, and then go back out to the second tide. But those night tides were just getting quite stressful for me, for the crew, for trying to follow me in the water. Yeah. Swimming floats... You know, the buoyancies that you swim with, swim, you know, they, as in to, for visibility, mm -hmm. they hadn't been invented yet. So I, I wasn't, I was, I was literally swimming at night with a reflective armband. Oh my <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> no one had invented these swim floats now, that everyone uses now. Um, and nowadays you get ones with lights in them. That would have, yeah, that would have been a, light, a game changer, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I know. So, um, yeah, so it was pretty stressful. So eventually we said, right, well, we are, we're only going to do a daytime tide um, because it was also October, November, November in Scotland and it was pretty dodgy, yeah. So, yeah, so th that was the logistics, basically. And then the whole swim took four and a half months. Yeah, so yeah, was, that's crazy. So what did you eat? Yeah. When you're well, I got sponsored this like these boil in a bag meals. So there was about four or five different flavors of this boil in a bag meal, and they, but they were only like three hundred calories, I think four hundred calories. So I'd have to like Eat put butter in them and <laughs> olive oil and stuff. I definitely, I definitely have upped my eating game since those days. Yeah. I think 
I definitely dropped the ball on the nutrition and the hydration side of things. Hydration was good. I was drinking quite a lot and I was having some powder in the bottles. But again, you know, if I did that again now, I'd be having 3,000 calories in those bottles just with powder, Yeah. which I didn't. You know, I was maybe getting 200, 300 calories yeah. in powder form in the bottles. Yeah. So that would have been an easy win on, on the calorie side of things. And then, the, again, the boat was so small, we couldn't really cook properly. We had this old paraffin stove, <laughs> which you needed like a flamethrower to light it, yeah. like to heat this element so that the paraffin would turn to vapor. So you you're heating this... So the paraffin gets squirted up under pressure. So you, you, you pressurize it yeah. and then you turn it on and then it shoots the paraffin onto this this like dome, yeah. but it's in liquid form. So that dome needs to be hot. So you have to heat that with a separate like flamethrower so that then the paraffin turns to, to vapor, which then lights because pa liquid paraffin doesn't light. Yeah. It's super safe. So yeah, so it just was such a rigmarole and then it was not hot enough. So it would take like an hour to get something hot. So I was just eating cold yeah, food and I'd have that out. porridge cold. And yeah, so it wasn't ideal, which again is probably half the reason I was so slow. That's why it took me four and a half months because I was just so down on energy and I wasn't able to push it hard. Yeah. So, you know, I was maybe only eating three or 4,000 calories a day. And I should have been eating eight or nine. And if I if I had been eating eight or nine, I could have I could have run at a higher heart rate yeah. for longer, which would have made me faster. Yeah, basically. But because around. I was so malnourished, yeah. you know, I was plodding along at a hundred, you know, heart rates, you know, trying to survive. I didn't I, I mean I did I did quite lose quite a lot of weight, but sure did. I didn't have much to lose anyway. But uh yeah, I mean, I've come a long way in ten years. It's yeah. sort of a shame now. I wish I, I wish I'd only thought of that idea now. But yeah. and yeah, yeah. But anyway. have you ever considered doing it again with like just like oh, I'm gonna go beat my time? Has anyone else done it since then? No, because someone else has done it and he did it super quick. Yeah, yeah you know, he was a, a, a better swimmer than me, a faster swimmer than me, and had a, a much bigger support boat. So. Yeah, I doubt he did in like sixty something days. It was super. Quick. Oh, I, he like yeah, he like half that and half. Wow, that's wild. Do you know him? Yeah, Ross. Yeah, Ross Edgley. Yeah, he's he's a he's a monster. Yeah, <laughs> very impressive guy. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, so let's go to the next record then. Or actually, no, actually, one more question. You, I read that you chose the charity uh, War Child to support during that swim. Why did you choose that charity? So. Uh, so part of my my sponsorship for cycling around the world was to raise money for this foundation called the uh, the Forward Foundation, part of the Forward Internet Group, and they owned a couple of companies. So I said, right, well, if you sponsor me, I'll raise money for your foundation. Uh, and their foundation, I also happened to agree with. They had a, a whole bunch of charities that they supported, and I, I I loved all of them. I was like, you know, the foundation is brilliant. You guys do such a good job. I'd like to raise money for you as well. And so for cycling around the world, it was Solar Raid. Okay. Um, and then uh, because I just really believed in the foundation and the work that the foundation were doing, when I swam the length of Britain, I just said again to them, I was like, right, I'd like to keep continue raising money for the foundation. Um, and they said, oh, great. Well, actually, for this one, we're going to we'll give whatever you raise to War Child. Okay. Uh, so at the time, I actually hadn't heard of War Child, but then when I sort of found out what they were doing, I thought, oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, this is such a good cause. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was all actually 
originally done through the Forward Foundation, which I'm not sure exists anymore because it was, uh, you know, this umbrella company, the Forward Internet Group. Yeah, they it was their foundation, and, and I'm not sure whether they're still going. But um, but yeah, so th that's basically how the relationship with the with Warchild came about through through the foundation. Okay, for sure. So then you you finish this thing. Um, and you you go through the swim. That there's three year gap between the next record, which was the world's longest triathlon at the time, I believe. Is that correct? So yes. So 2013, I did the swim. Mm -hmm. Then 2014, I attempted running Lance Enchanter Gross okay. to become the first person to do the run, okay. but got injured on that. Then 2015, I did the run. Okay. Because I needed to be, I wanted to be the first person to do a, a length of Britain triathlon, which I then did because of the run. And I still am the only person because no one else, there's only two people, two other people who've done the swim. So until either of them Get do the, the bike, run or the bike. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping they'll do it so that my Christmas party has more people than just me. For the, <laughs> <laughs> just want more people to join my club. It's a bit lonely, you know, the lads into Johnny Groat's triathlon club is just me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So um yeah yeah Ross and Jasmine come on sort it out yeah for <laughs> you've real you've done the hard one how, do the other two come on how many total hours so, do you know for for the full triathlon like how many total hours you put into that oh Jesus yeah. well it I was four and a half months for the swim okay a month for the bike because I did it super okay. slowly and a month for forty four actually forty four days for the run yeah. so yeah I mean you you you're coming on to six half a year really for all of it um, um yeah so. So that was 2015, and then yeah, 2016, I did the world's longest triathlon, continuous triathlon, which was almost like a quad decker, which no one's done before. So someone's done you do deckers, double deckers, trip, and there was one triple decker okay. in Italy, like five years ago maybe, but they've never put on a quad decker event. So mine was almost a quad decker, except my bike leg was a bit shorter. Okay. So it wouldn't have been considered an official quad decker, but yeah, um, Atlanta being the longest because the the record was three thousand five hundred miles, I think, and I I did four thousand two hundred yeah. as a total distance. So the coast. That's yeah, that was yeah. Totally and and I'll link that, and I saw that it was on Amazon Prime. There's like a specialty documentary around it, right? Yeah. So the length of Britain run. Okay is on Amazon Prime and so is the world's longest triathlon. They were originally filmed on Discovery Channel okay. and then now you can get them on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. I'm really proud of proud of those. Actually it's quite a nice memory to have those out there. Yeah. So um Yeah. Hopefully yeah. your kids will think you're cool after they watch those when they're about sixteen. Well hopefully. <laughs> also I, I did watch it the other day. There's like a PG fifteen on them. I was like PG what? what happened? I know, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I get naked twice, and I get in a, in a in a cold river, and then I is a there's a bit of swearing, but they bleep it out, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to wait a few years for them to watch yeah. it, or you could rip it off and then just I don't know, blur out a few things. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really neat. Okay, so you do those things. 2016, you do this big thing. 2018, you do the record fastest unsupported crossing of Europe on a bicycle. Starting in Cobo de Roca, yeah. West Coast, going to Portugal, you successfully cycled nearly 4,000 miles, finishing on the Russian town of, I would pronounce, I guess, Ufa, in Ufa. 24 days, 18 hours, Ufa, 39 yeah. minutes. How did you do that um, 
unsupported? Like, what was the what was that like? Figuring that out. Well, to be honest, it felt easy, really, because by now I'd cycled around the world. For, I did Lands End John O'Groats unsupported. I'd cycled around the world unsupported. Okay. I'd done the world's longest triathlon unsupported, and that bike leg was 3,500 miles. Okay. I'd done, I did the Route 66 bike race, but got injured on that. So mm. I had to pull out of that. So sort of bike packing was my thing, really. So I, I'm super comfortable. You know, I've, if tomorrow, if you said cycle to Australia, Sean, other than having to sort out some visas, I could genuinely go into my garage and I have everything there to cycle around the world. And I could do that tomorrow, other than visas. So I, I feel very there. comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it is it's it is my strong point, I think. Yeah, I'd say so. I think, yeah, if, 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 if of all three disciplines, swim, bike, run, I would definitely be the most competitive as, as an ultra cyclist, definitely. Yeah. And uh, it was my first love as well. So it's it's the one I definitely gravitate towards. A little less now because just uh, public roads and sleep deprivation. I'm like, I feel like I'm it's due sketchy. another accident. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm sort of focusing on running a bit more now. But, um, but yeah. So, yeah, self-supported basically means you're just on your own. You, basically do what you want that was also a documentary which is on amazon prime at the minute as well but the, the film crew have nothing to do with anything they just sort of jump out of a bush and catch me when i'm stopping and film me and i shoot a lot on my phone and whatnot and they give me a gopro um but really yeah you're just trying to minimize the time off the bike mostly yeah that's where you win and lose these these races is is sleeping a little bit less yeah but still getting the recovery not stopping as much for for lunch breaks and things like that. Yeah. Um, and just try to have a fairly lightweight setup. Uh, it was it was a hillier route than I thought. I really thought it would be flatter than it was. But like Portugal was hilly. Spain was a little flat. Oh, my light's just gone off. Nice. Spain was a little flat. Um, but, but a big climb up into Spain. And then, yeah, actually most of it was sort of up and down. I um, sure, it was beautiful. To save battery, yeah, to save batteries, I didn't Strava it on um so I have the GPX from uh just a tracking system. Yeah. But it didn't it, it and it will have elevation there, but it wouldn't have my speed mm. and my heart rate and things, which is a bit annoying. Uh, yeah. Oh, that might have my speed. I need to get that off. But yeah, I need to see what the elevation was on that, really. Um because when you know, nowadays with, with like the watch I've got lasts like a month. It's incredible. Like I could totally have done it nowadays, you know, put it yeah, on Strava, which is a shame. Yeah. So I've got yeah. the GPX file um, to prove that I did the route. Uh, so I've got that. So yeah, I need to find out. I wonder if that'll have the elevation. I need to speak to my map guy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's yeah, only been yeah, five might, years. I'm know. really quite shocked that you don't know <laughs> some of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like scouring. You know that. what? You know, I know, but you know, once I've done something, I move on pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm like, I'm already on to the next thing. I'm like, right, that's a done deal. Happy days. I don't make a big hoo-ha about it. I just be like, right, cool, sweet, crack on. Um, let's uh, let's move on to the next thing. So, um, yeah, so that one, I, I, yeah, I tend to to sort of gloss over them once I've once I've done them. I've done them. Yeah. Right. right. Right, move on now. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, well, in, in the spirit of that, we'll go to your, I guess, the last big thing I want to talk about, and then I have some like future-esque questions to ask you, if that's okay. 
105 yeah. Ironmans in 105 days. I, so I came across you. Yeah. I think you were at day like 58 or something. Um, and then I, I somehow saw you on Instagram because obviously the triathlon community was like, wow, this guy's nuts. And then you have you were going after the record <laughs> from the Iron Cowboy, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. When did you decide that, okay, I'm going to do this? And then you started, How? what was that time period? So it goes back a bit, actually. So when I finished my Europe record, okay. I had got the three, the, the one of three records. So you got first, longest, and fastest. Yeah. There's also the most of, which I didn't really work out that the Iron, James, James Lawrence's record was a different type of category, which is the most. But I actually did think about doing 100 back in 2018. Okay. I lived in the Lake District. I thought, you know, I actually worked out a route. I so I was going to swim in the lake cycle down towards Barrow and back and then run on the, the other side of the lake twice there and back and it's a marathon. It would have been a terrible route in hindsight, but you know, I I thought of it anyway. Just because of elevation. But then like other curious, sorry. Yeah, elevation yeah. mainly. Yeah, and, and road quality. You know, I wouldn't have been able to tuck down into aero position as much. Yeah. Uh so which just you need, you know, you need to be and I, I was surprised James when he did his hundred didn't have time trial bars on his bike because there's a lot of gains man you're saving 10 10 20 watts you know and you're doing that all day but um uh yeah so that's uh yeah so the 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 route would have been crap but um but i didn't do it because a other stuff came up there was another record that i wanted to break that that sort of got some traction with sponsors and then and then obviously covid happened Mm -hmm. and then obviously we know what happened there so then it was 2021. Yeah, end of 2021. I suddenly was just again with COVID having postponed and postponed and postponed this other record. And eventually it was off the cards. I was like, ah, oh, well, I need to think of something else. And I was like, oh, maybe I should have a crack at, at the at the Iron Man record again. And knowing James had done the 101 yeah. was super exciting. I was like, oh, sweet. So he can, you know, 100 That's is awesome. doable. Yeah, and then it sort of, you know, in my head, it had my name written all over it. You know, I've done the world's longest triathlon. I'm the only person to have done a length of Britain triathlon. So anyway, in 2022, July 2022, which again, in hindsight, was a bad call because it wasn't enough time to train. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to wait 18 months yeah. or, f- or 14 months. I'm a bit, I was a bit impatient, <laughs> which again, just was a bad call. I should have just been more patient. <laughs> So, yeah, I remember having a crack. Well, when I had the, did the first attempt in 2022, man, the internet did not like me at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. My wife and I were sitting back and going, well, we were thinking one of two things. Because basically, everyone was just like, what? You're wasting your time. Who is this guy? What does he do? Yeah. Like, And I was like, so two things are happening here. Yeah. One is, you know, no one's bothered to look back at what I've done in the past and uh, they just think I'm a novice. Yeah. So, you know, which is fine. If, if that's it, I'm cool with that yeah. because, you know, they've just not bothered to look at, at you know, whether I'm actually able to do this. Yeah. So I, I wasn't so bothered about them. What I was bothered, bothered about <laughs> was all the people who did know my past and still thought I couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah, well, no, well. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, then I was like, oh, geez, maybe, I, maybe I've not thought this through. Like, maybe it is just impossible. Like, maybe James Lawrence is a god, which, he, you know, he <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, the seeds but still. have been planted. 
Yeah, and then I was like, oh, geez. And then, because also the other thing is James famously said that he was going to take the record to the grave, which the Terry and me loved. I was like, yeah, yeah no, you're yeah, not. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, um, you know, but he super, he was super inspiring to sure. me, really. You know, and I, I, yeah, I had him on this pedestal and I was like, you know, I hope, I hope he's, he sort of gives you a blessing. Uh, is honored that someone was going to have a crack at his record because I've whenever on someone at, someone else has had a crack at my records I'm like super honored and I'm like brilliant right let's go for it you know so for example I broke the record with the Europe record the Europe cycle record I got from a guy called Jonas Deichmann I broke his record okay. and then last year he broke my world's longest triathlon record so like yeah, it's great yeah, you know yeah. it's back Good and forth and I love it I love it I, I think it's great so um so yeah and, and so but inevitably people were right you know, I wasn't prepared for the first attempt in 2022. Um, I I got injured. I came off the bike and, and and twisted the tendon on the top part of my foot, the one that you use to lift your lift your yeah, foot up. Ouch. And eventually, I just timed out, so I was too slow, which is a shame because I was getting into my rhythm. The first week's always the worst, and I sort of, I'd sort of got over that week really and it was just the run that let me down yeah. so my swim was okay it could have been a bit quicker to be fair and it was getting quicker my bike on the day seven was the fastest bike so i was i was getting better there um finding my groove but then the injury just made the run take like nine hours so it was uh, just it was never gonna happen yeah. so yeah I, I timed out on on day six but i carried on to day seven which i shouldn't have that that the extra injury I, I sustained on that last day uh, put me back four weeks, I reckon. Yeah. But yeah, you know, my I guess if I'm going to have a superpower in life, it's it's having a very short term memory and forgetting the bad stuff. <laughs> so the I, a you lot know, of triathletes, yeah. Once I knew straight away, I knew straight away that I was going to reattempt. Uh, so this was July, end of July. I was I knew I'd reattempt in around April 2023, which was this year. And I got quite excited about it, to be honest. I love training. I was like, brilliant. Well, I've got another eight months of training. Bring go. it on. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was my mindset, I guess. And then, and then, yeah, just sort of honed all the little, you know, I was 10, 10% down on everything. There's 10, 10 pillars of endurance, which is okay. planning, experience, fitness, health, nutrition, hydration, sleep, uh, muscle management, motivation, and community. And I was probably 10% down on all of them. And that's just too much, you know. So I, I spent the next eight months just getting that 10% better on all of them. And uh, and then, yeah, hit the start line in, in April this uh, this year, just ready to go, you know, ready to go. Um, so, yeah, that was yeah, that was the road to the start of that, which was, you know, really began in 2018. Yeah. But also really began 10 years ago when I sort of got captivated by swim, bike, run, because I've never stuck to one discipline. Yeah, yet. for sure. So you, you're, you've got to the start line um, in the preparation for this, because you said your nutrition's come a long way. Obviously, with Ironman, one Ironman alone, you have to have your nutrition dialed, especially if you're like wanting to keep a consistent pace for 105 days. So did you have like nutritionists and dietitians on board or did you just kind of do your own research and ah, many carbs per hour? Here's my sodium. Here's my electrolytes. We'll make it happen. Yeah. So 50, 50, I reckon. So 50%, I got advice from, from a nutritionist and she wrote a game plan. Um, 
but then it, I, it was very difficult to stick to it because I got flavor fatigue and I, I just there's certain things I just didn't want to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. And also we were really unsure on what my heart rate was going to be. So when I did my my sort of carb fat threshold testing, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't know what I'd be running at. Would I be? I knew it would never be above one forty. Um, I thought maybe it'd be hovering around one twenty five, one thirty. In which case, I'm sort of in the, the the middle ground of burning fat and carbs. Because once it, above 140, I'm 100% carbs. Yeah. But you know, from 110 to 140 is when the transition happens. Yeah. Um. So we had this this plan around sort of you know quite a bit of carbs, some fat, some protein, electrolytes, as you say. Uh. But actually, I then it turned out I was running at about 105 in the end. Oh really? Just which yeah so yeah so i just got really i I built up a really good engine and got to a stage and again whoever's going to have a crack at this record your goal should be trying to do a 13 hour or a 14 hour maybe if you can live nearer nearer the the start end point yeah because i had 40 minutes in a car each day 10 minutes in the morning and half an hour in the evening to get back home and um, so that wasn't ideal. But let's say 14 hours minimum. You need to be trying to do a 14-hour Ironman in zone one, really. Wow. Maybe the top end of zone two. Sorry, the bottom end of zone mm-hmm. two. But really, that would be my my sort of suggestion from a fitness level. If you can go out and do 14 hours, staying at about 105 heart rate, 110 heart rate, then you're somewhere in... A position to keep make it sustainable yeah because even once you're hitting the 130 140 heart rate it's just so hard to sustain that just because you know? you're burning too much and, got, and or what and fatigue you know that you'd be surprised the 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 day in and day out consistency means that even 130 140 is too much you're burning the candle too hot yeah. surprisingly um and yeah, so luckily I got to a stage and it was touch and go whether I would stay on the wave because I got I got a couple of injuries early on and I was super slow. Day two and three, I nearly missed the 17-hour cutoff wow. because of a knee injury. Um, I think I had five minutes to spare. Oh my goodness. So, and that was just an, an error on my part from a saddle height issue. I just measured my saddle wrong. Um, I thought I'd nailed it, but at a different crank oh, <laughs> on no. the new bike. So yeah, Sheesh, was details matter. It's my own fault. Yeah, you know, I wanted it. I wanted shorter cranks because I just felt more comfortable with a slightly shorter crank, and then just forgot that the bike fit I had was on a bike with longer cranks. So when I measured the saddle from the middle of the five, bottom bracket five, up to ten. the saddle, I was a centimeter off. You know, so yeah. which is huge. So um, so yeah, so it was it was sort of really just trying to get conditioned and fit enough and fast enough so that when you bring it way down when you you can because most people can do zone one all day yeah or zone two all day as long as you're eating right Mm -hmm. and getting enough sleep so the trick is as i said to be fast enough in zone one or two to still give you enough sleep yeah and that's when it becomes sustainable and that's the only way you can do 105 because there's there's no way in a million years you could do it at 140 every day. Yeah. It'd be your heart rate would be too high. You'd be you'd have AFib you'd be by burning. Then, yeah, your muscles you just your muscles wouldn't recover from that. Sure. Unless 
you know, there is, uh, there might be someone out there who's biologically maybe more conditioned to doing a 12 hour day at 140 and then getting the 12 hours recovery. Um, that could work for you. I think for me, doing 13 hours, which 13 and a half hours to 14 hours was my average yeah. at 105 or 110 for me was a more sustainable model. Yeah. Um, but, but there are other people like, but then again, you know, there's only three other people in the world who've done more than 50 me, James and a, a Lithuanian guy, I think okay. who's done 60. Um, so and he's interesting actually I, I can't find a lot about him but he did 60 but he was doing them all in around 12 hours so pretty quick um but he was also only getting six hours sleep because he did it he had a, he put all his his data on a time on a spreadsheet interesting and i was like man he was doing a super good swim a super good bike like a really fast bike like five hours you know for you know four fifties or five hours bike wow. and then a pretty good run so he was doing like a 12-hour day, but then in his sleep column, it's like six hours sleep. I'm like, like what would you do for the other 12. six hours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then also he just stopped at 60. And he did he did this after James had done 100, I believe. Yeah. So James had done the 100 already. And this chap, I forget his name, did 60 and then chose to stop, even though he was smashing it. He was doing 12. Yeah. Did you talk so I'm, to I'm him? I'm wondering like why he stopped. No, I only found out about him while I was doing it. Okay. Because because I was trying to find out, you know, who else had done quite a lot. So there's a French guy who did 40. James is, there's a uh, Lithuanian guy who's done 60. Mm -hmm. James has done 102. I've done 105. Um, so, you know, there's only four of us who've done more than 30. So um, in the whole, on the whole planet, you know, yeah. so it was difficult to find information about um especially this this i think he's lithuanian yeah um because he just didn't make a big deal of it which which again i'd love to meet him and yeah. ask me like, why did you stop at 60 man you were smashing yeah. it your times were amazing other than your sleep column which yeah. i really don't understand why you were only getting six hours sleep but like you should have done the 103 man you should have gone for it yeah for sure so i know i'd love to speak to him there, you know yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be super fascinating. I don't know if anyone's tried to do this before, but get all of you who have done 30 plus like in a room together to have a, a like a podcast type of conversation just sharing some of the stories because you guys have experiences yeah, that absolutely. nobody else would be able to <laughs> to like yeah, even get yeah, on the level totally. of understanding. Yeah. No, I'd love it. I'd love it because I bet you we all had the exact same problems. Yeah. But we just had them in different ways, shapes and forms, but I reckon you would have all had the shits at the beginning. We would have all had this, <laughs> the high heart rate. Like my heart, my sleeping heart rate for the first week average was 89. Woo. You know, like, yeah, it's now 30 something, you know. So yeah, uh, my body was just freaking just, out. You know, there's that famous Mike, Mike Tyson quote, which is everyone has a plan until I punch him in the face yeah. <laughs> so, or something like that, you know. So, um, yeah, it, the first week or 10 days is real hard. Um for me, it was actually the first three weeks. After the first three weeks, I've slowly found my rhythm, I guess, you know. Yeah. If you don't mind, really quick, tell me those names. Because this podcast won't air for a little bit. And I'm going to try to reach out to everybody and see if I can make this happen. Yeah. Oh, geez, I forget their names. There's a French guy. So he's the guy who's in the Guinness book. Okay. Um, Still. 
Then there's a Lithuanian guy, and again, I, I don't, I don't right. know I'll his Google name, I'll unfortunately. Um, but he, so the French guy did forty-one, um, and I believe he was going for James's fifty record. So, although James's fifty record wasn't official because of the, he did a couple indoors and used the elliptigo, but still, okay. it was freaking impressive. Yeah. Um, so the French guy was trying to get. The, the 50, 50 record i believe okay and then i don't know why he stopped at 41 maybe he got injured maybe he came off the bike i'm yeah. not sure because uh, that's your biggest risk on that is, is 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 falling off the bike or getting injured on the run really then this other guy did 60 um and again i don't know his name it's the lithuanian and then, guy yeah james I think it's Lithuanian I think okay. yeah could be could be Latvian but I think it's Lithu- I think he's Lithuanian and then James and me so um yeah so and then hopefully there'll be someone else because I'd love someone else to have a crack because I think 200s I could have carried on I definitely could have carried on but I wouldn't have yeah, I, I didn't want to move Christmas Day yeah so you know I, I kind of regret not saying 200 from the beginning because I think I could I could have done it and I could have got the funding for it and all that yeah um, well, maybe for your forty fifth. But ha- well, so the scary thought about two hundred. I think it's today or yesterday. Would have been yeah. the day. If I would have been the day, I know the fifth is would have been two ten actually. So it was last week because I remember thinking I, I've worked it out. If I'd started day one again on the day after I finished, when would I have got to one o five? And I think it's on Monday. Oh, wow. So it's in two days from now, and that is terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, That's a that long is because it seems time. way longer since finishing than during it. Yeah, I'm like, wow, actually, that is that is a long time to have been doing that. Yeah, and I feel like, so. it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like mentally it would almost be a little bit more tough to go back and do it now because every day that you did this was kind of like a personal best of sorts, and then after you, and then you're like, okay, I'm at 105, only 100 more to go. <laughs> like that's just like yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. I th- I think oh, you'd be just down. I could do it. I I no, I definitely. I I I would actually enjoy it. I think not enjoy it. It's there's no part of it that's enjoyable. But I would definitely enjoy. I think in ten years time, when, when my kids are a bit older, mm-hmm. I think if no one's done the two hundred in ten years time, I'll have a crack at it. Definitely. That's or if James Lawrence announces that he's going to have a crack at it, then I'll do it at the same time as him. Oh man, <laughs> now that would be interesting. The competition. that would be cool, wouldn't it? He. He keeps messaging me to try and me to get me to go and do his starvation triathlon in Utah, and I'm super keen. But it's only a, a it's only a full distance, like it's too but short. But you eat nothing, like. Uh, no, it's just that's the name of the valley. Okay, it's called the Starvation <laughs> I Valley. I think. Say, yeah, <laughs> no, it's just it's a full iron distance. Um, so two point four swim, one hundred and twelve bike yeah. marathon, and then but yeah, he's like, come on, man, you and me head to head. I'm like for a one day event, like you're gonna clean me up, man. Yeah. Like I'm too slow. Like I'm good on the long stuff. And he's like, we know you're good at the long stuff. Come and do a short one. And I'm like, ah, oh. even a, I did a double iron like a month yeah, ago, and that, even yeah. that was too short for me. Yeah. Like it just, I think a triple would be a good distance for me, but there's just none of them out there. You like know, just no one's putting them on. Is it three back to back or events. three days, three Ironmans? Yeah. So. It's a continuous, so oh it would word. be a seven point five mile swim, okay, a three hundred and thirty mile bike, and a seventy five mile run. Which again, I love, I love it. I, I wish there were more of them, but I think there's only like two or three 
in the calendar year, which is a shame. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, sounds we'll like see. another we'll see. I've got a business opportunity. I've got a, well, well, no, because someone else is doing it as a business, but no one's entering them. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a brutal events do one, and it's so un unsubscribed. They they only do it every second year. The triple, they do the double every year, but the triple they say they just don't get enough entries, yeah. so they can only do it every two years, which is a shame. Yeah, but um, I I have signed up for oh, this is awesome. It's a two hundred mile running race in a one mile tunnel. So that's coming up in, that's in March. A one-mile tunnel. You're yeah. Next, you're going to tell me that there's yeah. no light in the tunnel. <laughs> so there is annoyingly, but not at night. So from 11 p.m. till 5 a.m., no lights. You have to have a head torch. You're not allowed headphones or poles for the run. Yeah, so that's part of the rules. No headphones. So, um, yeah, it's back and forth. This one-mile tunnel. It's bloody amazing can't wait yeah i'm sure that everyone listening is just thinking the same exact thing <laughs> i nearly pulled out because i found out that the lights were on in the day i was like what come on man but it's a public tunnel like it's a it's an old railway tunnel okay. through a mountain which is now just a footpath and a, and a cycle path um between bath and bristol yeah in the uk what's the start list on so that yeah thing? like how many people i don't know yeah i, I it's quite popular. It sells out quickly. Yeah. So I'm going to go with 50. Yeah, I reckon it's going to be a good 50 starting. Interesting. Uh, the, then the cutoffs, I think the cutoffs like 65 hours, which is quite, quite quick for a 200 miler because most people do a sort of um, 100 mile in sort of 50 hours. Mm-hmm. I think they try and do a double, yeah. So you often get 24 hours per double marathon. Okay. So there's often a 100-hour cutoff for a for a 200-miler, but this one I think is a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong, but I, yeah, I'm hoping to do sub-60 hours anyway. I think 55 with 15 minutes sleep in the middle, I think. What's, yeah, what's the moving fun. pace on that, you know? And even for kilometers per hour, or the kilometers per minute? Yeah, so, you know, for me... It'd be nice to do probably 60 miles, 70 miles in each 24-hour period. So with no sleep. So I'll probably be trying to do about four miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, with some stops. I don't know. It's new territory for me. Yeah. So... You've started training. Because I know I can do... I can do 65 miles in about 15 hours normally, self-supported, yeah. carrying everything. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'd want to slow that down a little bit. Yeah. But um, but you never know. I might I might be able to keep that pace. Yeah. I might be able to keep that pace. So it, you know, um, who knows? Maybe I'll hit the hundred miles in in 24. The first 124, maybe I doubt it, but maybe 25, 26, and then the second one will be a bit slower, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. So, what hmm. is your greatest motivator in life like what is something you wake up each morning and maybe you maybe you have an off day every once and then a blue moon what is it that like you go to i just i have to chase difficult things you know i just and that's that's my motivator like yeah as i said if it's hot the harder it is the more i'm excited about having a crack at it because also i really feel nothing 
for failing. I've failed so many things, you know. Yeah. In fact, half the records I've attempted have taken two attempts because I I'm just not scared of failure at all. I just think if you fail at something, you, it's just your practice run. You yeah. know, you get you know have another crack at it next time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm really motivated about difficult. Like the harder it is, the more I'm interested in it. Um. So and then and and long, you know, it's it, I like I like stuff that's months long as well. So yeah, I get excited by that, and yeah. So every day I'm just scheming lots of different things, you know. Um, and the records I do like the records. It gives me something to chase. So I'm I'm umming and ahhing about the the lap of Wales running record okay. that got broken last year. This year that got broken this okay. year. So that's 48 miles a day for three weeks. Wow. So nearly a double marathon every day for three weeks. I think I've got that in me yeah. even now. I think I'd have to work a little bit. My technique's pretty good. I use a guy called Shane Benzie. He's an amazing guy um, who who's sort of I've been working with. And there's a couple of things I need to do when I get tired to keep my technique better. Because I, I over-quad basically when I'm tired and I and lose my springiness. So... I'm just almost doing mini squats, really, oh, as opposed to, as opposed to skipping, you know. So if you picture, you can either it's much harder to do squats than it is to skip on a rope, right? Okay. Because when you skip on a rope, you're using your elastic energy to bounce up and down. Yeah. Whereas when you're doing squats, you're just using your muscular energy, and that's way more, way less efficient, way more fuel intensive, way more calorie intensive. Yeah. So. And there's a way you can engage your your fascia to run much better um, and use way less energy. So, uh, which I'm pretty good at when I think about it, but when I get tired, I, f- I stop thinking about it. Lazy. And then the, you know, it's a real da- it's a fast downward sp- downward spiral when you've once you've lost that elasticity and you start using your muscles, and then your muscles break down. Then you get even slower. Yeah. Then then you just then you're fully fatigued. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I need to work on that technique a little bit for this two hundred miler. Yeah, for sure. But I th- yeah, it's it's still pretty good. My technique's still pretty good. Yeah, which I'm happy about. So when you were doing the hundred and five, I imagine that would, like needed a big focus. Is it just like a constant reminder as you're getting on? Okay, I'm gonna go run a marathon. I feel it breaking down. You're just adjusting the way that you lean forward, or you're trying to feel the- exactly yeah, a couple of things. Yeah, so leaning head up. So I, I actually weirdly I have a tendency to lean too far back Same. when I run. So I have to sort of get get more upright, more chest out, and then the big thing for me is as soon as I just start pivoting my my waist. So if you ask Kenyans where their waist is, most of them will point at the bottom of their rib cage because that's where you pivot. You pivot quite high up when you run. Whereas, you know, if you say, if you ask you and me where your waist is, you're pointing down on your hips, right? But they, because they turn really high. So when they run, they're pushing their arms back and they're pivoting right up at their ribcage. And if I do that, it really fixes a lot of my, a lot of my technique. And then the other thing is just thinking about my glutes more. So when I take a step, especially if there's a little bit of an incline, I try and like only use my glutes. And then you, you really, because that's your biggest muscle. So it's much easier walking up a hill with your glutes than it is with your quads. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's little things like that, which I know in theory, but when you're tired and sleep deprived, yeah, you yeah. just start stomping. And, yeah. you know, it's it's important to like go, right, 
Okay. And even if you're running slowly, you know, even if you're doing a six hour marathon pace, you can still actually run efficiently um, without, you know, getting too much burn, burn breakdown on the old muscles. Yeah. Just a couple more questions. Um, when yeah. you finished 105 days, your body thinks, oh, I'm going to do an Ironman tomorrow. I may maybe even for two days, yeah. three days. How long did that last? And then tell me about just when your body realized, okay, I'm done. And then it just, because I read a little bit and it just like shuts down and it's like, I got to do something yeah. different. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about three days. So, so two days after I was like, I felt fine and I felt quite good. And I was actually regretting finishing. I was like, oh no. Yeah. And then like the third day, all of a sudden my body was like, oh, we're done now. And then boom. That was the crash. And then, yeah, it's hot. It was just like exhaustion, extreme exhaustion. I was just, I was just trying, I needed to sleep like 15 hours a day, but I couldn't because I got young kids. Um, but like, I was motivated to do stuff, but I was just so tired. Yeah. And then that lasted about a month. And then after about a month, a month. the, uh, <laughs> a month off, the motivation came back strong. I was like, right, I am super motivated. And actually my power was good and I, my numbers were good. And that's when I did the double. I also ran 65 miles to a festival um, and felt, and actually after running that 65 miles, I felt better the next day than I did on every single day of the Ironmans, like every single day. So the, yeah, so I was feeling pretty good. And then and then I hit a second bad wave, which was about a week, two weeks ago, where again, just even though my numbers were good, my power is good. Like I get on the bike and go for a run and I'm, you know, I'm smashing it, but I'm just exhausted. Interesting. So, and I sort of, I'm still there a little bit now. Like I, I went, I went on the Watt bike yesterday. I've been ill for a week, so it's been a bit annoying. So I, w I went on the Watt bike and. Like I could put, when I want to put the power down, like I'm good. I can, you know, do 300 watts for a while, you know, over a good 10, 15 minutes. And I'm so, it's, you know, the numbers are good, mm -hmm. but man, am I exhausted? Like even while I'm doing it, you know, even though my heart rate's pretty good, my power's pretty good. I wonder what that just is. Just my perception of fatigue is so high. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's my body going whoa, dude, no, don't do this, right? No, we don't want this anymore, yeah, you know. We're, we're I, I totally don't know. done. We're yeah. checked out. Thanks for coming, but we're not here. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't do this to me again. So it's just telling me. But so, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. So I need to, I've lost the mojo a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, I, I've been ill, so that doesn't help. Have you talked to James? Um, Did he experience similar things? Yeah, he had a way rougher time than me. Yeah, yeah he had a way rougher time than me. So, you know, he was you know, he was two hours slower each day than I was. So I was, he wasn't getting nearly as much sleep as I was. He had those injuries. He had really bad injuries, you know? Um, so he would have had way higher cortisol levels in his body, I presume, just because of the stress from being injured and the stress yeah. of not having enough sleep. And then because of those injuries and things, he also was having like three hours of physio, apparently, according to him, um, on top of it. So, you know, he was saying he was falling asleep in the, sw in the swimming pool in the mornings. So, you know, he, he definitely had a much rougher time than I, than I did. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's partly, you know, I am, 
without trying to blow my own trumpet too much, but I, I definitely had more experience in the multi-day stuff than James. You know, James did his 50 and then he did the 100, you know, whereas I, for 10 years, I've been doing long stuff. Yeah. You know, my round the world bike ride was 150 days. My length of Britain swim was 135 days. My world's longest triathlon was 85 days. So I've hovered around the 100 days a lot, all gone past it quite a lot. Um, and and the other big thing is I'm a much better runner than him. So, you know, he, he through his own admission, did no run training. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, dude, if you're only going to train for one thing, train for the run. Like, that's the one that's going to kill you. Yeah. Like you can survive the bike and the swim's easy, but like do some running, man. And I remember, and I remember him saying, "Oh, I hate running. I'm not going to do any run training." Oh and goodness. I'm like, "Please do some run training, James." Yeah. And then, and then he gets a stress fracture on day three. Poor guy, you know. And but I tell you what, like hats off to him to carry on and do another ninety nine yeah. or ninety eight with those injuries. Just bloody impressive. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's super strong willed. Yeah and mentally tough and and you know i hats off to him and as as i said he he inspired me a lot to sort of have a crack at these sort of things um but uh yeah again if someone wants to break my record just you've got to do some running man (laughs) i'm almost inspired because that (laughs) yeah i mean it's i can't wait because also i was looking at the 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 part of the data and i i genuinely believe that the 105 doesn't favor a biological male either. So I think a female could get the overall record. I genuinely do. So it'd be awesome if there's a girl out there. I'm trying to find a girl to try and get the female record, which I think you would need to do 30 or 31 because there's some people who've done a continuous uh, double-decker. There's um, a girl in the UK, Claire. She's done a a, a double-decker continuous. Okay. I'm not sure anyone's done the one a day, but I think if there was a a, a, a female record would need, to, I think that the female record would need to be at around 30. 31 for people to go, oh yeah, you've you've definitely got it because there's not a lot of information on other people who've done stuff. Do you know Heather Jackson? Um, no. So she just no, retired from um, a professional triathlete, did halves and fulls mostly fulls but she's been doing a lot of ultra running and she just got she just won some like i think it was don't quote me i think it was a 200 mile race uh because she's been getting an ultra running oh cool but i feel like she i could see her being the female who has done it because she's I, she's yeah. got to be late 30s early 40s so she's about perfect for it and she has a lot of just past ironman experience i'd be tempted to yeah to message her and be like hey i was talking to sean you know who he is cool um, what do you think? About oh this? yeah, honestly, I'm super keen to help someone get the female record. I I even asked my wife would could do it, so I I put it I've opened it up to Caroline, and I've taken that horse to water, so she <laughs> needs to want it now. So she we're gonna do we're gonna do one because she's pretty sporty and stuff. But awesome. Kids kids have sort of stopped her doing stuff for obviously yeah. the last four or five years. So um, but yeah, I would yeah I'm super keen to find someone a to get the female to get the female record. Um, and B, find someone who wants to, to, to break my record. I'd love to mentor them and help them and give them all, any advice uh, that I can because uh, I think it's cool, man. I think it'd be, again, yeah, it'd be nice just to have more people in the club. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. That's so neat. Well, hey, um, thank you so much for coming on. I have one more question. Um, 
Admittedly, I use so what I usually do is I look into a, an email chain. I don't know. It's called the Morning Brew, and they have these just wild stats at the end. And I usually ask a question based off one of those stats. I totally forgot to put that in. So I have another question that I hope is stupid <laughs> enough for you. I was just going to ask you, okay. Sean, why did you yeah. say yes to come onto this podcast? Oh, I'm a yes man. I love doing podcasts. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I, I do. I love it. You know, I think I think I have a, a, a responsibility. Because, you know, if you go off and decide to do something that if if you think one person out there could hopefully get something from you, um, then I think it's important that you, you tell people about it and don't hide away from it. And I, there's a, definitely a teacher in me somewhere. And I think my my next career is probably going to be a, a school PE teacher, I reckon. And um, yeah, so any any way, shape and form I can sort of tell people about me being miserable and cold and hungry and tired for the last decade and if that resonates with anyone else to have a crack at breaking some records or pushing themselves and uh i can go to bed happy so yeah that's why i'm on here now yeah well thank you so much i really do appreciate it it's been a, a great pleasure of mine i've been looking to, forward to it for quite a while um and would definitely love to have you on in the future again especially as i'm sure you've already got ideas cooking upstairs for what's going to be the next thing yeah absolutely there'll be loads of ideas but yeah thanks seth yeah thanks for having me on mate that's it's been awesome thank you so much for listening to this episode with sean conway it was such an awesome one uh the longer i do these podcasts and you get these people on with these amazing stories i'm just like i can't cap it in an hour i could probably go for three hours but i know he had to go cook dinner so uh let him go but thank you so much for listening to this one if you are on youtube or um, yeah, if you're on YouTube or anything like that with Instagram and whatnot, please give us a like and subscribe and comment. It uh, really helps it out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give the um, podcast a review and leave a comment. In Spotify, you can even ask questions in the polls. Would really appreciate that. If you want to join our newsletter, you can do so at the stupidquestions.show. Uh, website. You can scroll down to the bottom. If you sign up for that newsletter, we will hopefully be sending out some uh, emails here before too long, just letting you know about future guests, what's going on, um, and also do some exclusive giveaways with partners such as the Rudy Project who we've worked with in the past. And um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for checking it out, and we will catch you in the next one.